The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Domingo Santana, ooh, I wanna have ya. Tanaka's Fakata, Jag like Michael Waka, Polanco and Franco. Kokomo Friday and welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today presented by Line and Kugels. More on their great beverages later on in the podcast. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. A lot to talk about as usual. Who is this Brandon Crawford and what did he do with Brandon Crawford? He must be captive somewhere. Uh, We have week nine sleepers. We're redrafting the first round. Scott wrote an article for this. It is on the site right now. And a whole bunch more from Thursday. Let's jump right in. Oh, my good goodness gracious. Well, first of all, how are you guys doing? I mean, Scott, I haven't seen you in like, what, two days? How are you doing, buddy? Oh, man, it's been a whirlwind, <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah, you missed the uh, the Cluebot no-hitter. You didn't miss it. I'm sure you saw oh, it. <laughs> I saw something yeah, about it. I, I yawned my way through that. Yeah. Oh, my God. It Yankee like, haters, you know, man. Yankee haters. <laughs> nothing to do with the Yankees. I know, I know. Just, I know. Like, we've gone to weekly, almost weekly to almost daily for no-hitters. Rich Hill was my pick for a no-hitter today. He didn't quite come through, but I mean, it was my pick. No, no, no. Frank. Chris, let's not do this, man. We understand it's been like 12 years since the Yankees had something to root for. So, you know, (laughs) I understand. Oh, my God. Let's not talk about no-hitters for like 20 minutes again, Chris. Although I thought it was a good conversation. Uh, We did spend a lot of time on it. Scott, your oh-my-goodness-gracious player from Thursday. Well, you mentioned him already. My oh my goodness gracious player is Brandon Crawford, who hit his 11th home run of the season, right? 11th? That is correct. Yeah, 11th. 11th home run of the season. It's on like a 40 homer pace. Um, his seventh in the month of May. So yet, yet another hitter who is crushing it in May. The great comeback for offense happening this month. And uh, Brandon Crawford's a part of that. Now, he's only been a 20-homer guy, I believe, once in his very long career, 34 years old now. Like Even shortstops who were good hitters once upon a time, they're usually not not at their best anymore. He's more than 34. halfway. He's more than halfway to his yeah. career. Yeah, 21. He's, he's never even had a 15-homer season apart from that uh, 2015 season when he hit 21 home runs. So I think he's deserving of... a. a a healthy dose of skepticism. Having said that, career high fly ball rate, uh, career high hard hit rate, I mean, stands to reason he's hitting the ball harder than ever to have this many home runs in a short period of time. So that's kind of a that's kind of a chicken and egg thing for me. But maybe if he can sustain the fly balls, maybe if 
if uh, I think we looked it up last time we talked about him, right? Like San Francisco still playing is not the extreme hitters park it used to mm-hmm. be. Yeah, uh, still pitcher friendly, but not not what it used to be. Then maybe it's possible he can he can indeed hit twenty five plus home runs this season. Obviously, not the forty he's on pace for. Um, you know, low strikeout rate. That's that's always been the norm for him. And like shortstop is pretty, pretty yucky, pretty yucky. Uh, some injuries there, some Glaber Torres's and and Dansby Swanson's and a few other players not living up to their potential. Like you, even Glaber's with Tori, even with the skepticism that is deserved Brandon Crawford. Like somebody in your league probably needs him. It very well may be you. And um, I, I think you at least got to ride him for as long as this lasts. Maybe it'll last longer than we think it will. And he's the most added shortstop in CBS leagues right now. He is 68% rostered. So that roster rate is climbing and rightfully so. Brandon Crawford, the best quality of contact in his career. It's Weird what's going on, but he's performing well. So I feel like you got to ride the hot streak while you can. Uh, Scott, you brought up the name Dansby Swanson. Would you drop Dansby Swanson for Brandon Crawford? Well, Dansby Swanson himself had a huge day. He hit, he had three hits. He had his sixth homer. He had his eighth double. And let me see how he's doing in May. Is he having a big comeback in May? No. Not so much. Not so. His, his strikeout rate this season is like through the roof. I think at a shallower, like if you're talking like a 12-team points league where, you know, you might roster 11 hitters total, then yeah, just go with the hot hand. I don't I don't think Dansby Swanson at his best is high end enough that you can, you know, not give him up. And, you know, that that kind of shallow league is probably the only kind of league where you can still pick up Crawford. So yeah, I'd be fine with that. Okay, so in a shallower league, you could do it. I don't think I would in any categories leagues just because Swanson could chip in a few steals, and we know what he could do when he gets hot. We saw it last sure. year, 10 homers and 5 steals in just 60 yeah. games. So to, to clarify, that's not me saying Swanson's done, stick a fork in him. It's sure, just, yeah, yeah. you know, maximizing roster space and, and, and uh, you know, there, there are times in those shallower leagues where it makes sense to ride the hot hand. Yeah, and I actually like in deeper leagues, Swanson as a buy-low candidate. I brought that up last month, and he hasn't turned it on yet. This was a great game for him on Thursday, but there are underlying numbers for him that I think say he's going to be better. 26.7% line drive rate for Dansby Swanson. That is 18th highest among qualified hitters. Uh, He has a career-high 31% strikeout rate, yet his swinging strike rate is exactly what it was last year when he struck out around 26% of the time. Uh, He's off against fastballs. He's batting 218. That number has never been lower than 285 each of the previous three seasons. So I do think we have some regression, positive regression coming for Dansby Swanson in a great Braves lineup. Chris, your oh my goodness gracious player from Thursday. Yeah, I, d- I do want to add, you know, a couple things about Brandon Crawford. One, he's not really playing every day, right? He, he's he started 32 of 43 games for them. Uh, it seems like he sat, he has to have sat against a, a number of lefties because he only has 34 plate appearances coming into today. And, his and he's been awful against yeah. lefties. Right, yeah, I saw that too. Um so I'm not sure necessarily what to make of that. He actually does have three home runs and 34 plate appearances, but nine strikeouts, 553 OPS, despite the three home runs. I I, I don't know. I'm I'm much more on the skeptical side, but I, I guess that's probably not particularly surprising. Well, I mean, now for my goodness, I was skeptical player, too. I don't need. I don't think that doesn't always have to be a contrast. <laughs> I'm more on the skeptical side, Scott. 
All right. I'm more skeptical, but a player I'm not skeptical of because I liked him coming into the season and confirmation bias is a hell of a drug is Ian Happ, who is red hot since coming off the IL. He's played six games and has four home runs in those six games. He also had a home run in his last game before going on the IL. So you add all that up together and that's five home runs in his last seven games. Mm -hmm. He got off to a miserable start OPS under 500. Uh, through the first 25 games, but Brand uh, Ian Happ was, you know, very good after coming back from AAA in 2019. He carried it over into 2020. He's now played 146 games since coming back from AAA in 2019, and he has 27 home runs. Um, with a, you know, that's a 30 homer pace. That's only 565 plate appearances. He's still hitting high in the in the Cubs lineup. I still think Ian Happ can be a difference maker for a fantasy team. He got off to a really bad start. And admittedly, I dropped him in the league um, because, you know, I've always, I've always known one of my weaknesses as a player is holding on to slow starts too long and, and having too much faith in my preseason prediction for a player. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to cut bait stop throwing bad money after good or whatever the saying is. And, you know, let's see if we can find someone else. Turned out um, Matt Beattie hasn't been a <laughs> difference maker. How big was his lead? Then. 12 team. All right. I, got, I wouldn't have had a problem dropping Hap in a 12 team league. He was a late round pick anyway. And like, you know, you, yeah. if, if it, I'm specifically, I'm thinking of a, a points league, I guess like, if you if you've had him in your lineup in a three outfielder points league this whole time, you're probably not doing very well. No. So, yeah. um, so I wouldn't have had a problem dropping him, even recognizing he'd probably get hot again. But like, I'm not sure like that. Beating uh, again, <laughs> <laughs> trying to ride the hot hand, Scott. Okay, trying okay. to not be such a Chris Towers. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, then you got to do the same thing with Brandon Crawford, Chris. You got to ride the hot hand. Uh, I'm gonna. No, give you- I didn't. I didn't like Brandon Crawford coming into the season. It's not how it works. <laughs> but you liked Matt Beattie. <laughs> Loved him. I don't- <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a real. I'm a real Beattie head. I must have missed that on our NL only preview yeah. for the season. Uh, spoiler alert. Ian Happ is one of Scott's sleeper hitters heading into next week, and I think for good reason. Three games against the Pirates next week, and he also faces off against Luis Castillo, who has his issues himself, but Ian Happ also has good history against Luis Castillo. So uh, Ian Happ is 54% rostered. He could be out there in your league. Guys, I'm going to give you three names that are outfield eligible. You tell me if you would drop them for Ian Happ. First one is Andrew Vaughn. I would hope I have a player who has less potential than Andrew Vaughn, and in my leagues, Chris, I do yes or no? Drop Andrew Vaughn for Ian Happ. Yes or no? I don't. I don't think I would. Like it's. I don't know. It's six of one, half a dozen. They're both in my top ten sleeper hitters for this upcoming week. Happ's a little hotter. I think Vaughn has more upside still. Whatever. I'll. I'll say no. All right. I'll, let's try another wow. player. Dominic Thank Smith. You. Thank you for the yes or no answer, Scott. Would you drop Dominic Smith for Ian Hat? I'd be fine with it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Scott seems hesitant again. It's just like it's just a range of hitters. I don't really know what to. I don't really know what to do with them. Like it's, uh, you know, the kind of league that's shallow enough where Hap is available. There's no reason to 
to, to, to commit yourself to Dominic Smith or Andrew Vaughn at this point. So it's really just a matter of preference for me. And, you know, it, if it came down to who I want to start this week, I would rather start Ian Happ than Dominic Smith. All right, last one. This one might be easier. Nick Senzel. Uh, yeah, I'd drop Senzel for Happ. All right, my oh my goodness gracious player from Thursday is Rich Hill. Not that he was spectacular or anything, and it was against the Baltimore Orioles. Six innings, one run, four walks, four strikeouts. But over his last five starts, he has a 0.99 ERA. He has gone six-plus innings in four of those starts. He's 55% rostered. Next week, he is at the Blue Jays down in Dunedin. So it's not a great matchup per se. But the fact that Rich Hill's only 55% rostered and he's pitching this well, it just it kind of threw me off. So I, I think I'm at the level, Scott, where... I would say Rich Hill is a must-add starting pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. Like, somebody in your league needs him. Even if you can't squeeze another pitcher onto your roster, I could understand why that would be the case. Like, everyone else in your league is sleep at the wheel. Because this is four out of five now, six-plus innings. It's, I mean, his whole stat line looks, you know, like, pr- pretty typical of Rich Hill. Maybe the ER is a little high. But, Yeah. I, I think Rich strikeouts Hill, on the whole as good. As yeah, true. I mean, more than one per inning, but not quite the eleven per nine we saw him do most of those Dodgers years. But yeah, I yeah. think he's. I think he's pretty good. Yeah, I'm looking at my rankings and like, I'm moving him up to seventy five, which feels a little low. But like, if I had Noah Syndergaard or Luis Severino, I don't think I would drop them for Rich Hill. Well, definitely and those are seventy-three yeah. and seventy-four for me. Yeah. So Syndergaard's close. I think that's a good range for him. Like a mm-hmm. little above him is Andrew Heaney and Brady Singer and Chris Bassett, and like that seems. I would drop like Heaney. a fine range. I would drop Heaney for Rich Hill. That was going to be one of my questions. Okay. Yeah. So that's one where I would make the swap. How about Logan Gilbert? I don't. I don't think you should, but he's looked pretty. Pretty bad as first two yeah, starts. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine getting rid of Gilbert, personally. Yeah, I, I just moved. That was the guy I moved ahead, right. I moved Hill ahead of at that point. Scott, yeah. you're you're all right dropping Gilbert just in general or only for Rich Hill? I'm, look, I'm not going to drop him just because I'm mad at him and want to purge him from my <laughs> roster. <laughs> right, but right, like right. If, if I see something cool out there, I'm fine dropping Logan Gilbert for him. And Rich Hill's pretty cool right now. That, that's where we're at. 2021 rich hill is pretty cool right now may 21st i love it uh last name herman marquez would you drop him for rich hill uh yeah yep i'm all right doing that an honorable mention for oh my goodness gracious the astros i know this is like taboo we're gonna give the astros credit but we should the first five hitters in the astros lineup are all batting over 300 they're awesome again jose altuve michael brantley alex bregman yordan alvarez and Yuli Gurriel in particular. We have not given this guy enough love. Chris, we were on yesterday. We had to give Zach Eflin some love. We haven't talked about him much. Same thing with Yuli Gurriel. He is now batting 333 with a 966 OPS. The best quality of contact in his career. He is one of eight qualified hitters with more walks than strikeouts this season. He has an 11%, 11.5% walk rate, which is by far a career high. The sixth best hitter in points leagues. The second best first baseman in Roto, Yuli Gurriel. The guy's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think back to when he first signed with the Astros. You'd look at his numbers from Cuba, and they were just ridiculous. I, I'm thinking specifically in terms of the power production versus the strikeout rate. Uh, how low the strikeout rate was. Um, 
Yeah, he and, had a season with 30 homers and 20 strike, 29 you know, strikeouts. He's, he's certainly been a respectable hitter up to this point, but I, I just wonder if he's reached a new level of comfort or, you know, if 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 the way the new ball is playing, like, particularly helps his profile. Uh, I, I don't know. I finally gave him some love in my rankings. I moved him up to 12th. Uh, he's ahead of guys like Reese Hoskins and Paul Goldschmidt. So, yeah, I mean, I think I, I actually dropped him Hoskins in a points league to pick up Guriel and like just make him my first baseman and it's going and going well so far. Yeah, I I'm perfectly fine with that as well. I moved Guriel up to 13th. I have him just behind Santana and Luke Voigt just ahead of Jared Walsh. That one's close. I'm both guys have been awesome. Uh, but yeah, I have no problem uh, making that swap. Not that, you know, Guriel is available anywhere anymore. I, and no. I don't think that this is a sell high situation Unless you can sell high, which I, I just I don't think anyone's gonna want to pay for Yuli Gurriel. They're gonna look at it and say, oh, you know, he's upper thirties in age, and you know, this kind of seems like he's just off to a hot start. All right, whatever. Yeah. I'm just gonna hold on to Yuli Gurriel, reap all the benefits. He's in a fantastic lineup, hitting right in the middle of it. I'm I'm just gonna hold on unless I get blown away with an offer, which I don't think is gonna happen. So yeah, I mean, yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to be a blow you away offer. It could be DJ Lemayhew. Could be sure. Yeah, I would Voight. definitely do that. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah. I would cool rather have Voight. It'd be hard for me to actually pull the trigger on that trade, though. Right now, mm-hmm. you know, Chris, would you? Trade yeah, it? it is. It is worth noting. You know, you said upper high thirties. He's thirty seven. Yeah. Um, and he had that like really awesome two months where he hit like this in 2019. But for the most part, he's kind of just been like a kind of an Eric Hosmer, yeah. you know, like a, you usually a good batting average, uh, decent RBI numbers, but doesn't hit for a ton of power. That's still my expectation moving forward, more or less. And, and, you know, the way the environment appears to have changed, unless things are dramatically changing in May, it's kind of too early to say, but the way they appear to have changed, Hosmer himself is back to being basically a must-star player. So, you know, even even if even if that's all Guriel is, you're, you're probably still going to be pretty valuable for you. Before we get to news and notes, want to let everyone know the 2021 PGA Championship is underway at the Ocean Course on Kiawa Kiawa Island in South Carolina. The First Cut Golf Podcast is live after every single round on YouTube, breaking down the day's action with all episodes in your earbuds shortly after Thursday through Sunday. Join Rick Gaiman, Kyle Porter, and Mark Immelman and the rest of the crew as they bring you all the analysis you need to know for golf's second major. Find the first cut on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and even live on YouTube. Some news and notes from Thursday. Jacob deGrom struck out eight over three scoreless innings in his rehab start for low A St. Lucie on Thursday. Did you guys see? uh, I I can't remember who it was that posted it, but it was uh, Jacob deGrom's pitching line against low A hitters with the fact that he hit 102 miles per hour with his fastball and then the gif from Revenge of the Sith with Anakin igniting his lightsaber in front of the younglings. Yeah, Just that was absolutely incredible. <laughs> that was Matt Williams. Yeah, they, yeah. they sent him in there to... Matt Williams, not the baseball player, but the fantasy analyst. They sent him in there. They sent Jacob DeGrom in there to massacre the kids. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Not the younglings. 
<laughs> oh man yeah shout out to matt williams we had him on the off season he does fantastic work over there yeah. at nbc sports edge uh so yeah give him a follow that was <laughs> that's good work there uh steven strasberg is returning to start on friday against the orioles he got up to 75 pitches in his last rehab outing cody bellinger and zach mckintry will both be in the lineup for triple a oklahoma city on friday bellinger could be back by next week the next week or two uh, if everything checks out all right for him. Cattell Marte was finally back in the starting lineup for the D-backs. He was one for three with a double the last I saw. If anybody wants to grab an update on Cattell Marte, maybe he did something awesome since last I checked. Some Twins news. Kent Maeda will start he Saturday. Out. Oh, no. All right. Well, some Twins news. Kent Maeda will start Saturday against Cleveland. Randy Dobnak will start on Friday. Jorge Polanco was removed Thursday with ankle soreness. There is still no timetable for George Springer and his quad injury. Jesus Lozardo threw 30 pitches in a bullpen session on Thursday. Nelson Cruz was hit by a pitch in the first game of the doubleheader and didn't play in the second one because of it. Vince Velasquez was scratched from his start on Thursday due to numbness in his right index finger. Chris, what were your famous last words on yesterday's podcast? Uh, I think I said that I would. He was my third favorite streamer of the day. It's just it's hilarious because really, yeah. like you even said it at the time. You're like, oh, well, famous last words. Start Vince Velasquez, and well, he yeah. didn't even start his own game. I hope you're all right, Vince Velasquez. Tyler Duffy was suspended two games for throwing at your mean Mercedes. Don't really want to talk about that situation anymore because at your mean Mercedes, you're mean. The you're mean. No, it, so- it sounds like you have a car with like a disposition for running over people. Your mean Mercedes, you hit it with the fast. Maybe it's just got like a, like a grill, you know, how like the old Dodge Uh, neons used to look like they were smiling. Maybe it's like a a Mercedes. It looks looks like like a, like like a scowl. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Can you tell that we've hit the end of the week because (laughs) this podcast is just, well, this is great. I'll just, I'll I'll bring up another, I, I feel like everybody in baseball Twitter tweeted this one, but, the Tyler Duffy has been suspended three games for throwing at your mar- your mean Mercedes Mercedes. Tony La Russa has uh I can't remember the word now. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Appealed. That's the one. Uh, Tony La Russa okay. is appealing. Oh gosh. Okay. Josh Reddick's contract was selected by the D-backs. He was in the lineup and batting fifth on Thursday. And another Twitter is ablaze because the organist in uh, Los Angeles was playing I saw the sign or so. I don't know. Everyone's freaking out. What kind of dweeb gets mad about that? I don't know. Well, this isn't really news, (laughs) but the Yankees placed outfielder Ryan Lamar on the IL on Thursday. I'm only bringing this up because prospect prospect Esteban Florial, who we spoke about recently, he could get the call. He's a name to watch in deeper league. Damn, Scott does not You know he got called up last year? I didn't even realize it. That's how how much of a non-prospect he is in my mind at this point. Okay. Yankees fans. Yankees hate, man. Look at his numbers. (laughs) They're bad. They're not very good. They're not. Yeah, they're not good. (laughs) All right. I'm sorry I brought up some other prospect updates. (laughs) Let's start with the Blue Jays. Austin Martin is currently out of the lineup for AA New Hampshire with a hand injury. So get well soon, Austin Martin. Uh, Nate Pearson was cleared to return and start on Friday at AAA after dealing with some shoulder inflammation. Now, this is the one. This is the one. Blue Jays starting pitching prospect, Alec Manoa, who I spoke about in depth with the Welsh last week on our prospect update special. He now has three starts, Alec Manoa. He has allowed one earned run with 27 strikeouts to three walks, over 18 innings pitched. He is lined up in the same spot in the rotation as... Ross Stripling, who just got destroyed on Wednesday. 
So he could there could be something happening here. I don't I don't know how mm-hmm. soon it's gonna happen, but yeah, and it, it, it's it, not necessarily just Ross Stripling spot in the rotation because Steven Matz has been absolutely atrocious uh, after a couple of good starts to open the season. Yeah, yeah, and they have uh, Anthony K in the like they 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 obviously could use some rotation help. Yeah, um, but it did seem intentional the way they aligned his turn with Striplings. I will point out because I was just writing about this yesterday in in the prospects report, um, including Alec Manoa in my top five to stash for the first time. Uh, all the basically every Blue Jays beat writer that I saw tweeting about it was downplaying the possibility. I don't know, like if it's just like beat writer code that you have to downplay the possibility of a call up all the time because it seems like that's the stance they're always taking. Uh, it's also worth noting Manoa has nine professional starts in his career. His, his whole professional career has consisted of nine starts. Yep. So it it would be accelerating the timetable. I mean, he's not young, but even so. That being said, like the dominance isn't just those three minor league starts. Alec Manoa had maybe the most impressive spring stat line I've ever seen. He struck out 15 in seven innings, allowing one hit and no walks in seven innings. And this was not against like guys with 70 something on their jerseys. Like baseball reference um, has like a, a quality of opposition score that they give players in spring training and it's one to 10. Usually, you know, usually even like true starters are like a seven point something or an eight point something. And a prospect like Manoa might be like a four or five, you know, quality of opposition. Manoa's this spring was nine. It was, he faced his, his, his competition this spring was as tough as anyone's, And that's the number he put up. So he was facing real major leaguers and was that good. And he's kept it going at triple a. So, I mean, I, I'm clearly he's one of the top five prospects to stash at this point, but, um, you know, nothing would surprise me if if he doesn't get called up until late June. That wouldn't surprise me. If he gets called up for the next turn, that wouldn't surprise me either. Two of those outings, Scott, that you mentioned in spring training were against the Yankees, and I remember watching them vividly, and there mm-hmm. were a decent amount of the Yankees starters in that lineup. So yep. it was, you know, maybe the first time they saw him or whatever. He he was awesome. They were not, not taking anything away from him. I think in redraft leagues, now that Gilbert is up, Manoa is the top pitching prospect to stash. Is that fair to say? He's the only pitcher in those five, yeah. Sure. For me. Alex so, Kirilov. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> Alex Kirilov has homered in two games as he rehabs that wrist injury at AAA. So, so far, so good. Uh, speaking of the Twins, Trevor Larnick hit his first career home run on Thursday, and it came off of a lefty. So I was pretty hyped to see that. He's batting 250 with a 789 OPS thus far. Not bad. Uh, he's 18% rostered. I was asked this question on Twitter, and I didn't really know the answer. Do you think Trevor Larnick gets sent back to the minors when Alex Kirilov returns? Uh, they're, they're still starting Luis Arias and Rob Refsnyder, it looks like, in the outfield. So Garlic is getting most of the starts. Yeah, Kyle Garlic. Garlic as well. Okay, yeah, yeah. I just um, don't know who would be capable of playing center field. If you have an well, Gabe, outfield of uh, Gabe Kepler, yeah. Max Kepler has been playing center field and okay. you know, he, makes, he's, he's not losing his job. That could work. Yeah. So uh, they can have an outfield yeah. of Kepler, Larnick and 
and is, uh, Kirilov until Buxton returns. Zariah, I know Zariah got off to a great start this year. Does he deserve to be kicked out of the he's, lineup now? He's got a 682 OPS and yeah. hitting 268. Yeah, so they could they could the plan for him was to be utility player, and he could easily go back to that. In- injuries have made that a pretty stinky lineup of yep. late. A few other hitting prospects that I d- wanted to highlight. Ray's prospect, uh, Vidal Brujan, added another home run and another steal on Wednesday. He's now up to six home runs and four steals. And I think he's here before Wander Franco. Uh, Brujan is already on the 40-man roster, and he could play every outfield position. That's what he's been doing in the minors. He can mm-hmm. play up the middle. So he's kind of a Tampa Bay Rays player. Uh, and there's a lot of power and there's a lot of speed. So if you play in category leagues, 12 teams are deeper. I think you should probably already be stashing Vidal Brujan. The Marlins outfield prospect, Jesus Sanchez, the guy is destroying baseballs right now. He's now up to seven home runs with a 509 batting average and a 1573 OPS. The Marlins can use some offense. So I, I think he's probably going to be back up soon. He was with the Marlins last year. He struck out a bunch. He, he looked awful, but... He looks great right now in AAA. And the last one I wanted to highlight, show a little love to Braves outfield prospect Drew Waters, who is currently batting over 300 at AAA with three home runs and five steals. The batting average I'm a little bit skeptical of, but he does have some power-speed combination. Uh, The Braves are currently running Guillermo Heredia out in center field. So uh, Drew Waters has played nine games in center field this season in the minors. So a few prospect names to remember there. We are going to take a quick break, but when we return, we have the Week 9 Pitcher and Hitter Planners. We'll do that next here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The Week 9 Hitter and Pitcher Planners presented by Kugels, scheduling for this upcoming week. 13 uh, teams have 7 games, 14 teams have 6 games, and 3 teams play just 5 games next week. That would include the Atlanta Braves, the Boston Red Sox, and the Houston Astros. Scott, I'm going to throw it your way for some two-start pitchers that you like heading into next week. Who you got? Well, first of all, I want to point out that when I do my two-start pitcher rankings every week, I, I have four different categories, four different tiers for those rankings. And the top one is must-start all formats. And usually uh, the two-start pitchers that fit into that tier, are there, there's like 7 to 12 a week. This week, there's 19. Yeah, so it's a great two-star pitcher week. It's a great two-star pitcher week, exactly. So if if you find yourself in a head-to-head league with like only six starts or something, you you, you know there's a good chance your opponent has a lot more, and you you may have to you may have to take a bigger swing uh, to to contend with that. Uh, okay, so there are there are a lot of interesting ones that are available. Not necessarily good, but but interesting. One of them, my favorite, is probably Spencer Turnbull. Even though I was downplaying him after his no-hitter, his matchups this week are Cleveland and the Yankees. Those are pretty good matchups. And, you know, two really good starts in a row. Maybe he's figured something out. I'd still bet against it. But this week, I think those matchups are good enough that uh, probably should be started in 
most leagues. Most point head-to-head points leagues for sure. And he's still available in 64% of CBS leagues. Cole Irvin, he's pretty rostered already. Um Okay, so I'm I'm just going to rattle off a few names here. I don't I don't love any of them, but I think particularly in a points league where you know you could you can sacrifice ratios for volume to an extent. I I think you could do it. So T- Tarek Skubal has those same matchups as Turnbull. Austin Gomber. Now last time he had a two-start week uh that uh, we're doing this again, Scott. We're I doing mean, I this. wasn't I wasn't excited to recommend him that last time. I'm more enthusiastic about it now. His walks. These are been, both on the road. The mistake last time was I think at least one of those was at home. They're both on the road, and he's been pitching better. His walk rate has been way. He's he's been a control pitcher in May, and he was walking a bunch of guys back in April. So uh, yeah, Mets and Pirates. Uh, David Peterson, who's been kind of a two faced pitcher this year, and and in a lot of ways, but uh, Rockies in New York and the, the, the Braves. Uh, Brad Keller, he's always interesting when he's making two starts. Justin Dunn, he's 91% available. One of his two matchups is the Rangers. And he's he's kind of interesting with the strikeout rate. Doesn't go deep into games very often. The walk rate's pretty high still, but uh, been pretty effective overall. Matt Shoemaker gets the Orioles and the Royals. Kwang Hyun Kim, you know, he, he might only deliver a four and a third inning start, but he's got two of them this week and he usually keeps runs off the board. Austin Gomber in the month of May, 22 and a third innings pitched, a 3.22 ERA, 9.7K per nine, 1.2 walks per nine. He's got a 3.13 FIP, a 3.24 X FIP. Austin Gomber has... He's righted the ship for now. He's he's looked very good in the month of May. Scott, who are some single start starting pitchers you would recommend this upcoming week? Well, not as many of those, understandably, because there's so many two-star pitchers to recommend. You say Kikuchi. He's still available in almost a quarter of CBS leagues. He gets the Rangers. John Gray. I like him a lot more when he's on the road. He's on the road this week at, at Pittsburgh. He is dominating at home, though. Yeah, I think he has. Doesn't he have like a two ERA at home so far this season? I did. That see doesn't some... surprise me, but it doesn't change my level of trust in yeah. him. Road versus away. Yeah, Matthew Boyd. The, Matthew Boyd gets the gets Cleveland. JT Brubaker gets the Rockies. I mean, these got these are all guys who are around seventy five percent rostered. Somebody a little more available. Shane McClanahan gets the Royals. Uh, well, you know whether how how. How uh, emphatically I recommend McClanahan might depend on how a start goes this weekend. Uh, and then, like, if you if you need to go really deep, James Caprillion is facing the Mariners, which means he might throw a no hitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, based on this season, there's about a five percent chance it happens. It's not yeah. crazy to say at this point, Chris. Let's get you back involved here. I have some names. I do have. That are, wait, I do have a couple of things. All right. John Gray's home road splits are nuts. He has seven strikeouts and three starts on the road. It's really weird. <laughs> um, and I I know Casey Myers has been getting good results lately. I might be on the Tariq Skubal is better than Casey Myers bandwagon at this point. He's been much improved in May, and it's coincided with a switch from... Looks like he switched his splitter for a slower changeup over the last three starts, and... 
The changeup has been a much more effective pitch for him. It has a 52.4% whiff rate. It's been by far his best pitch this season. So it's only a three-start sample, but um, you know he's obviously an incredibly talented pitcher. I, I've just noticed he's been using his secondaries more mm-hmm. just in general last few. Like it, he's mixed it up a lot. Like his last start, the slider seemed to be the most effective yeah. one. Uh, but yeah, he's just he's just looked. It just looks like he's trending the right direction. Mm-hmm. I have eight names listed here. They are not great names, but they have good matchups. So, Chris, I'll throw them your way. In a deeper league, which one or two of these would be your favorite for next week? John Lester versus the Brewers. Alex Cobb versus the Rangers. Jose Urania versus Cleveland. Adam Wainwright at the Diamondbacks. Johnny Cueto at the Diamondbacks. Justice Sheffield versus the Rangers. Miles Michaelis at the Diamondbacks. Martin Perez versus the Marlins. I want uh, Wainwright, I think, is number one. After that, I, I'm not sure there's a clear number two, but for deeper leagues, deeper leagues, I'm kind of feeling uh, Miles Michaelis. Okay, He's I don't know if that's smart, but set to, <laughs> set to debut, going. set to debut this weekend against the yeah. Chicago Cubs. So let's see how he does in that start. If, if it's a if it's a good start, then sure, yeah, if he looks good, <laughs> uh, yeah, so he probably lot, goes to I'll the top of that better. list. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, who are some sleeper hitters that you like rostered in 75% or less of CBS leagues for week nine? So these have been going better lately. I've, I've, I've liked my sleeper hitter choices more and they've gone better of late. So, you know, I, I was such a downer about them the first few weeks. I think they're going better now. My favorite is Brian Reynolds. The Pirates have the fourth best matchups this week. And I just think he's a really good hitter. He had a home run to straightaway center today. He's got a line drive rate around 28%. He deserves to be rostered in more than 72% of leagues to begin with. Uh, Willie Calhoun, of course. Rangers have good matchups this week. Miguel Sano, he hit a grand slam in a doubleheader today and obviously had the three-homer game the other day, so he seems to be on the right track. Great matchups, Baltimore and KC. Ian Happ, of course. CJ Crone, I feel like he's already uh, always on this list. Now the Rockies are on the road all week, but seven games, and you know they're facing teams like the Pirates and and uh, the Mets, but not very good pitchers for the Mets. I mentioned Andrew Vaughn's on this list in particular. The, the White Sox are facing three lefties in their seven games, and his numbers against lefties have been awesome. Tyler Naquin seems like the Reds have faced nothing but right-handers recently, and the same is true this week. Adam Adam Frazier, I might I might finally need to get aboard the Adam Frazier bandwagon now that he's rostered in seventy three percent of leagues. Like he's been one of the best line drive hitters in all of baseball this year. That batting average is he's maintained a batting average around three twenty. And as I mentioned for Reynolds, the Pirates have good matchups this week. Five teams with the best hitter matchups: the Mariners, A's, White Sox, Pirates, and Cleveland. The five teams with the worst hitter matchups: the Astros, Red Sox. Tigers, Nationals, and Padres. So there you have it. The Week 9 Pitcher and Hitter Planners presented by Line and Kugels. And it's officially summer now in New York City. We completely skipped spring. Not really a surprise. 90 degrees this upcoming weekend. I'll be out and about, whiff a ball, shoot some hoops, come home, mm-hmm. relax, catch a baseball game with a Line and Kugels Session Hellas, which has all the flavor of a crisp German-style beer. It's only 99 calories. Got to watch my figure. Summer is here. You want to drink a beer that can also keep you in shape? 
there you go. Yeah, not get you in shape, but it can it can help. It can help. Uh, that is the Line and Kugels session, Hellas. If you're into IPAs, Line and Kugels offers their Lemon Haze IPA, which is a well balanced hazy IPA that blends hops with delicious lemonade. And of course, we can't forget about their famous Summer Shandy, which is an awesome blend of crisp beer with refreshing lemonade as well. So no matter what you're craving, Line and Kugels has you covered. Just head on over to liney.com. That's L-E-I-N-I-E.com or follow Line and Kugels on Instagram or Facebook for more information about all of the delicious beers that they brew. Scott, you recently wrote an article redrafting the first two rounds for the rest of the season. Everyone can find it on cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. I'll also throw it in the podcast description. So if you want to follow along while we talk about this, but oh, we get to talk about it. That's yeah, fun. we get to talk it's about always it. fun. I, you brought it up the other day and I was like, damn, that's an awesome podcast topic. We should probably talk <laughs> about it. And you know, there were a few less games on a Thursday. So uh, I'll just, I'll let you run through your first round and then your second round. But you know, Chris and I will be here to, uh, to oh, critique, man. of course. So this is, this is like the Scott White show today. The Scott White show. Uh, yeah, so, okay, so how are we going to do this? Um, I will say, uh, there. so a lot of the first round looks the same, which probably isn't a surprise. We were very confident in those guys coming in. Uh, even the ones who have underperformed, we still have reason to be very confident in them. So can I just ask one question? Sure. Did you just take injured guys out entirely? Well, okay, the way I did it was drafting today for the based on what we know okay. now okay on you know mid-may basically that makes sense rest of season so I, I originally had mike trout as the number two pick we found out he's missing six to eight weeks obviously if we were drafting today he would not be even a top 24 pick for me so he's out entirely um okay so the top four ronald acuna no surprise there juan soto i still have number two mookie betts three garrett cole four so I've moved him ahead of the other two there, which, you know, it was such a close call to begin with. And and Cole has clearly been, he's been pitching out of his mind. Uh, Trey Turner, number five now. The leap Back. he made last year as a hitter seems to be completely legit. He seems to have really taken it to another level. Exactly. Yeah, the power. He's, he's, he's uh, reiterated the power production there. Jacob deGrom is sixth for me. Shane Bieber, seventh. Jose Ramirez, eighth. Yeah. That's one I could have maybe put ahead of those two pitchers, but I, I'm never totally confident Jose Ramirez is going to end up with a great batting average in the long run. Uh, Trevor Story, ninth. Still have a lot of confidence in him, even though he hasn't performed up to that level so far. Freddie Freeman, tenth. Of course, I don't really have any concerns about him. All right, here's the first really interesting name. Vladimir Guerrero checks in at 11th. He's... Ooh. He's now a first-round caliber player in my mind. And if we were redrafting, I'd take him in the first round. So I don't know if you guys want to critique that or if I should just keep going. Uh, yeah, and, and then you round it out with Trevor Bauer. So yeah, Jose Ramirez is so interesting because like he's succeeding. He is the fourth-best hitter in points leagues despite a 265 batting average. And it's like in spite of the lineup and his surrounding – he still has 12 homers, 25 RBI, 29 runs scored, six steals. He's not a five-category contributor because he hits a lot of fly balls. The batting average is probably going to be, you know, 270-ish. 
Yeah, 265-270 in this context. I mean, that's 30 points above league average for May, which has been 10 points above league average for April. You're right about (laughs) that. You're right about it. It's just he's not a, I guess, in the way that we look at someone like Juan Soto, right, who's like a 300-plus hitter. Uh, I don't have a problem with Vlad Jr. being in the first round or, you know, a late first, early second round. Trevor Story was the one that stood out to me where I'm sure he's going to get back on track, and we just spoke about him on yesterday's podcast, Uh, but he was kind of the name that stood out to me as like, all right, yeah, sure. ahead yeah, of sure. Fernando Tatis, which we'll get into. But I, I really like. I mean, as long as the Rockies don't trade him, obviously that would that would change the equation entirely. But I yeah. I don't have any reason to believe Story won't be a plus contributor in batting average, home runs, and stolen bases. Still, yeah, and just by virtue of playing half his games at Coors Field, the runs in RBI will be plenty good enough too. So, like, he's kind of the. He's kind of let me let me look here and make sure I'm not. Uh, he has yeah, a, he's kind of the last surefire five category threat. I feel like uh, Trevor Story currently has a sub 800 OPS in Coors Field this year, and currently he has a 968 career OPS in Coors Field. So I would expect that's going to get better as the season goes along. That's that is a reason to buy Trevor Story for is the way you should read that. Sure. Uh, the second round, Scott. All right. So the second round, there are more changes to the second round. Not surprisingly. Fernando Tatis kicks it off. And of course, if there wasn't the fear that he was going to tear his labrum every time he follows through on his swing, Fernando Tatis would still be a top five player. He's he's been he's looked great since coming back from the injury. Performance wise, I don't have any concerns. It's just there's the the sword of Damocles hanging over him. I think I think that's what it's called. Um you Darvish. Second pick of round two. Max Scherzer, third pick of round two. That's a move up for Scherzer. Bryce Harper, it's a little bit of a move up for him. He's the fourth pick of round two for me. So we got Tatis, Darvish, Scherzer, and Harper. And then the fifth pick of round two. None other than the Shohei kid. Woo! Shohei Otani. Yeah. But Scott, did you see he was throwing 91 miles per hour? <laughs> So is this that. is that for weekly lineups? Yeah, I mean that's that's when we've been talking about him. We it, uh, we we've done the exercise. Okay, if he was eligible in the outfield, how high would you put him there? And I said behind Bryce Harper. So, you know, uh, the power speed combo. If he's going to be in the lineup virtually every day, which was always the big problem in the past, is they just sat him so much. But yeah, we're seeing the kind of impact he can have. You know. It, he could pitch or not pitch, obviously, and I still think he'd be worth this spot. I think the uh, the strikeout rate is probably the reason I wouldn't put him this high. I do mention um, in you here... You know, the plate discipline's not great. I do mention in here that he's probably... the would see the biggest difference if it's a points league versus a categories yeah. league. Like He probably would not be a second-round pick for me in a points league because of those plate discipline issues and because steals aren't as valuable in a points league. All right, the sixth pick of round two is Tyler Glass now. Obviously a big move up for him, and that makes him the sixth pitcher here. Five, six, seven. Seventh seventh pitcher. Xander Bogarts. Xander Bogarts. In the long run, like I don't think he's a fundamentally different player, so this may be a little high, but just as much trouble as it's been filling filling out a lineup. Part of it for me is... Part of it for me is given the the league context, 
mm-hmm. he might be playing half his games at Fenway Park, his skill set, his contact ability, his all-around skills as a hitter, he might be especially well-suited to mm-hmm. continue to... Like, I kind of think him and Jose Ramirez are two uh, in that kind of category. I mean, obviously, also the other hitters we're just talking <laughs> and, about. And, and Bogart stole two bases here Thursday night, so if he's going to make that part of... Like, he, he always flirts with that, and I never know whether to consider that part well, of his the, profile or not. That's the thing about Xander Bogarts is he's been like a bona fide elite fantasy player for like five straight years now, probably. And he's uh-huh. never the same player. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's just yeah. got so many skills, but he's just like one year he hit two, 330. The next year he hit like 26 homers and drove in a ton of runs. I think one year he had like almost 20 steals. He's just mm-hmm. like a different kind of player every year, but he's always really good. Yeah. JD Martinez is the eighth pick in round two. I, you know, we valued him at this level or higher for three straight years. So now that he's back performing this way, I don't know why we win it again. Ninth pick of round two, I got Manny Machado. Uh, his numbers are down early on, but he's stealing a lot of bases, and I, I don't really see any red flags. Reason to think any reason to think he won't bounce back. One that I kind of had to talk myself into here. Then, what is it? The tenth pick of round two is Bo Bichette. He, his OPS is, I think it's below 850, 840. Yeah. He had a good game today, so it's 845, just barely below 850. And that doesn't seem like second-round material. But I, I mentioned before, shortstop has kind of become a scarce position all of a sudden. And um, he contributes steals too. So I, I think the cat of the five roto categories, the one I worry about him in the most is batting average. But I still think it'll be fine. I don't know. He's kind of a maybe he's kind of a poor man's Jose Ramirez. I don't know. I like that. I like that call. He has 36 runs scored, by the way, too, which is among the league leaders. Yeah, he's just like the underlying numbers don't match it, back it up, but the underlying numbers haven't really backed it up so far for him. Right. Um, yeah, he's kind of like know, Chris I said Bryant. before the season. Yeah, I mean, and I kind of said before the season, he's not like an incredibly impressive tools guy. Like he's not the fastest guy. He doesn't hit the ball the hardest, but he just kind of there's something about his ability to play baseball that allows him to put everything together to be a, you know, greater than the sum of his parts. And I'm kind of starting to reach the point where that's just kind of true of him, especially from a fantasy perspective. Yep. Brandon Woodruff is the last pitcher I include here in the first two rounds, the eighth pitcher off the board. I still see him as more in like the Aaron Nola, Lucas Giolito, Walker Bueller class than, you know, up there with Scherzer and Darvish. Yeah. But I think just based on the way he's performed so far, he deserves to to lead that tier. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll stick him in here in the in the second round. And then rounding out round two, I needed a replacement for Trout, remember. Yelich had just come off the IL. I really don't know how to value Yelich right now. Uh, but I'm I'm being careful not to undervalue him. I think that the greater danger is undervaluing him than overvaluing him. So I have Yelich here rounding out round two in my redraft for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think some other go ahead. Go ahead, Scott. Some other names I considered. I'll just mention them real quickly here. Cody Bellinger, kind of the same story as with Yelich. Alex Bregman, Corbin Burns. Um yeah, I guess he would be next. I, I mentioned like Aaron Nola, Lucas Giolito, and Walker Bueller. Obviously, there's a, a lot of pitchers you could consider next. 
but Burns has the most eye-popping numbers so far, obviously. Byron Buxton, if he wasn't hurt, probably would have been in there. Nick Castellanos, I, I, I kind of wanted to make him that last. I, I think if I was going to choose one of this honorable mentions who would be uh, who, who came closest to making it, and it would be Nick Castellanos. It just it felt a little wrong to put him in round two at this point. And Aaron Judge also, I considered. Yeah, Castellanos. Yeah, the thing with Castellanos is just that the the margin for error, and it's kind of similar with J.D. Martinez for guys who just don't steal bases, the margin for error is so slim. Like if if Martinez and Castellanos hit 285 with a 30 homer pace the rest of the season, they're not disappointments. They're not, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. They're probably not worth that, that kind of, you know, selection. Yep. And you can check out that article on the site. I'll include it in the podcast description. Uh, again, the redrafting, the top two rounds from here on out for fantasy baseball. Uh, let's just take a look at the rest of uh, Thursday's action with five minutes left in the podcast. Why not? Uh, some <laughs> waiver wire options. I'm just going to give you all these names and you let me know your favorite. Dane Dunning was up against the Yankees, six shutout with six strikeouts. Bobby Dahlbeck now has eight hits over his last seven games, including three home runs. He's 48% rostered. Drew Smiley now has three straight quality starts. He's at Boston next week. David Price I had to include him. He started a bullpen game. He pitched two innings, shut out. I don't really know that there's much here, but uh, Odubel Herrera has 13 hits over his last nine games, including one homer and two steals. And Mauricio Dubon has nine hits over his last six games. If you're playing in a deeper league, he has a lot of eligibility. So Dunning, Dahlbeck, Smiley, David Price, Odubel Herrera, Mauricio Dubon. Any interest? Not really in any of them for me, to be honest. I, I think Dahlbeck has good power and will be useful at times, but he's going to be very streaky just because he's so there's so much swing and miss there. Certainly, I'd go for Miguel Sano, who's still available in like 40% of leagues over him. I think Smiley's, you know, he's he's fine. Well, he's your guy now, Chris. You have to support him. So <laughs> I, Yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Drew Smiley. Yeah, yeah you two made My a number deal. Two starting pitcher. In the During S- the podcast. Yeah. Oh, real? Oh, so everybody knows about it already. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We just derailed the entire podcast. We started talking about your Dynasty League, Scott, and, and how we made a trade. So it was fun. Um, one update from that late game, Diamondbacks-Dodgers, Frank, that I, I don't think we've mentioned Mer- is, is the start Merrill Kelly had against the Dodgers. Sure, yeah. 12, I, 12 strikeouts, I, wow. 12, oh 12 strikeouts in seven innings, three earned runs allowed. I mean... Obviously, that's an eye-opening stat line. I don't really see any reason to think he's made some. He's you know he's he's figured something out or is about to take off here. Uh, I, I think he's still pretty fringy, but it's it's obviously uh, something worth commenting on. So there's my comment. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I saw he had eight <laughs> strikeouts through five, but to have twelve yeah. strikeouts against the Dodgers, it's. Uh, the Dodgers have some injuries, but you know they're still a, a pretty good lineup. Uh, Merrill Kelly has allowed three runs or less in six straight starts. He's 18% rostered, and he is going up against the San Francisco Giants at home next week. So definitely a name in deeper leagues. I think he had thoracic outlet in the offseason, so yeah. that's, mm-hmm. that's a really tough injury to come back from, surgery. Uh, yeah, I mean, But he, he looks pretty good. 
This is his second career double-digit strikeout game in the majors, and uh, his last one was 10 strikeouts on June 2nd, so almost two years removed from that. (laughs) I'm going to run through some players who's hot and who's not, starting with the hot guys. Duh. Randy Rosarena has officially arrived to the 2021 season. Four for six on Thursday with a home run, three runs, four RBI. He has three home runs now over his last two games. He's batting 283, seven homers, four steals total. Uh, Joey Wendell had four hits, including a double dong that gets him back up to a 309 batting average with an 890 OPS. Austin Meadows went three for six with a double. The batting average is still just 229, and I will admit he has struggled against lefties, so... Some people have pointed that out to me. He has been sitting against them recently. Uh, we got to get that launch angle down. That's the biggest thing for Austin Meadows, but he's looked better recently. Domingo Herman at the Rangers, seven shutout with five strikeouts. He had 17 swinging strikes in six starts since returning from the alternate training site. He has a 1.94 ERA, 35 strikeouts to just six walks over 37 and a third innings pitched. However, four of those starts were against Baltimore twice, Cleveland, and Texas. So, do with that what you will. Uh, Josh Bell has eight hits over his last seven games, including two home runs. Kyle Schwarber, nine hits over his last eight games, including four home runs. Mark Cannon went two for four with his eighth homer of the season. He also has six steals. Uh, J.D. Martinez just keeps plugging away. Two more hits. It is 12th home run, 37 RBI. Uh, Vlad Jr., two more hits for him. A 329 batting average with a 1051 OPS. We already spoke about Dansby Swanson. Who else is not hot? DJ LeMahieu, 0 for 4, 267 batting average. Nate Lowe, 0 for 4. Now 1 for 26 over his last eight games. And it seems like he's going to be a pretty streaky player. Got off to a great start, went into a lull, was great again. Now he's back into another lull. Uh, maybe it's just a thing if your last name is Lowe or Lau. I, I, I guess you're just a streaky player. Maybe. All right. The was, the, the- was the former Red Sox pitcher, he was pretty streaky, right? Derek Lowe. Derek Lowe. Yeah. I couldn't tell I feel you. Like he had some good years and some bad years. The call to the pen, some bullpen updates for the Twins. Taylor Rogers was used in the sixth inning in a seven inning doubleheader to face Shohei Otani, Anthony Rendon, and Jared Walsh. Hansel Robles picked up his second save, 12% rostered, yeah. as Scott White fist pumps across the finish line. Well, I, I got him in tout. I, my, my don't draft any closers. And just trust to pick them up on the waiver wire over the course of the season. Strategy is not going particularly well in that league so far. <laughs> I think uh, I think this is my third save. Hansel Robles got me here. So, yeah, I mean, obviously it could have just been high leverage situation. Rogers, that that's what it looks like. Why Rogers was used earlier than the ninth inning or seventh inning because it was a doubleheader. But yeah. at the same time, it's been pretty pretty. Pretty bad as uh, as since his move into the closer role. So it wouldn't surprise me if Robles got some more opportunities. We'll see. For the Blue Jays, Jordan Romano was used in the eighth inning with the with a seven to five lead at the time. Rafael Dolis then proceeded to allow three runs in the ninth, and he took the blown save and loss. Chris, who gets the next save opportunity for the Blue Jays? Jordan Romano or Rafael Dolis? I feel like you're a you're, I'm back in high school and you're a teacher and you just saw me yawning and you had to call on me. That's right. To make sure I was paying attention. Wake up! Oh, um, oh, teacher! It's Tyler Chatwood. That's the answer. He has been amazing. Uh, I'm not sure. Like, Have they really used Tyler Chatwood in that 
in a way that suggests he's next up yet. He has. I don't really feel like he's been awesome. He was used in the seventh in seventh inning in this game, and yeah. I know when Dolis was out, he was used in the eighth inning to set up for Romano. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know how sincere that answer is. I I, just, I would guess. Oh, he's been used in the eighth inning a lot. If it's not yeah. Dolis, it's probably Romano. Probably. Right. For the, I would but, say it's like but, 55 45. 50, if you like 50, me. 50 40, 5% Tyler Chatwood. If, uh, if you're, 5%, they have like a three inning blowout win and some middle reliever gets a save. If you're like me and you're having to project saves, the next in line, I, I think Chatwood, I, I mean, just for the ratios, pick him up and, you know. Yeah. Maybe he'll become the closer at some point. Maybe. For the Red Sox, Matt Barnes got his 10th save. Uh, for the Pirates, Richard Rodriguez pitched in the 9th and the 10th. He picked up his third win. For the Yankees, Aroldis Chapman got his 11th. And the Cubs, Craig Kimbrell struck out the side for his ninth save. His ERA is 1.02. Streamers for the weekend. To stream or not to stream, we'll start with Friday. Jordan Montgomery versus the White Sox. Martin Perez at the Phillies. James Caprillion at the Angels. Mike Miner versus the Tigers. Tyler Ivey. Don't really know much about him, but he's at the Texas Rangers. And Tyler Anderson at the Braves. I'm going for Tyler Ivey. No, I'm not. I'm going for... <laughs> the other Tyler. Tyler Anderson? Mr. Anderson? Yeah. He hasn't, he hasn't been... Uh, yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if that dog will run. I don't know if that's an expression either. But anyway... Um, I don't know. <laughs> Jordan Montgomery, maybe. Uh, and then uh, Minor. And then Caprillion. Oh, man. I feel like we should just wrap up, man. This is <laughs> this is painful. Streamers Only? for the weekend. I mean, uh, it's, it's not a great group. Uh, I would go with Montgomery. I would go with Mike Minor. And I would probably go with uh, James Caprillion without Mike Trout. Saturday yeah. streamers, Antonio Senzatella at home versus the Diamondbacks, John Lester versus the Orioles, Brady Singer versus the Tigers, Adbert Alzali at the Cardinals, Shane McClanahan at the Blue Jays, and Miles Michaelis in his season debut versus the Cubs. Singer has to be one. Yep. And I I guess Alzali, I, I like Alzali a lot. Uh, so I'll go with him at St. Louis and then McClanahan at the Blue Jays. I agree. For Sunday, Cody Poteet versus the Mets. JT Brubaker at the Braves. Casey Mines at the Royals. I was about to say Chiefs. Don't know why. Chris Bubich versus the Tigers. John Gray versus the Diamondbacks. And Zach Davies at the Cardinals. I just have one thing to say about Cody Poteet. Uh, he has a small son. Do you know what his name is? Cody Poteet. Uh, I like JT Brubaker on this, among this group. Um, uh, and yeah. uh, I guess Casey Mize. What about John Gray? Well, yeah, we got to pitch John Gray at home, right? We've been pumping him got up. A two ERA at home. We yeah, and he's going up against Arizona, so for Those sure. Are your three. I think so. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't hate Chris Bubich, who has looked pretty good as well. But I don't hate oh, him he's either. Done, he's done nothing to you. Yeah. So therefore, I like him. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye.